Hey everybody, we're back with another part of our inner healing series. I've been learning so much about inner healing from God and I just love getting on here and talking about it and hopefully teaching something. Hopefully you guys can pick up something and maybe our learning journeys are overlapping. Maybe God is teaching you about healing, about healing of the heart, of the soul, of the mind as well, because he's definitely talking to me a lot about it. So this week I was in prayer. I was trying to pray a little bit upstairs in the bedroom and I saw a picture and I heard a word at the same time. Now, when I say heard a word, I did not hear it audibly. I've just learned to kind of tune in to hear from God and maybe what God is impressing upon my metaphysical heart. I heard the word reconstruct. And at the same time, I saw a vision. Now, before I tell you the vision, the word reconstruct is a familiar one to me. I've been in a season of deconstructing and reconstructing for like five years, my theology and my outlook on the world. And to me, deconstruct just means separating fact from fiction, deciding what I believe, deciding what I don't believe anymore, because we get taught many, many things. We absorb many things from culture. We absorb many things from our faith communities, what gets emphasized and underemphasized and ignored and misinterpreted. And so we do have to sort through all of that and decide what to keep. But reconstruct has been an even more important word to me than deconstruct because I've watched my peers, some of my peers, deconstruct everything so completely that they are surrounded by a worthless pile of rubble that used to be their belief system. And they're kind of left with nothing. I definitely don't see that there's a few people that come to mind who I, of course, won't mention. I don't see them. I don't think their current worldview is any more thought out or any more thought through than their previous one. So I don't want to do that. I want to reconstruct and I want to have a faith, an ideology, a worldview that makes sense and that's accurate. And I don't think that means absolutely having no faith or beliefs, right? It means having accurate ones and that there is a truth. There's a real God. And I want to know that real God um, specifically and on God's terms. So reconstruct has been a theme. So I hear this kind of word in my heart, reconstruct. And then I see this picture of what I can only describe as my essence. I've never really used that word before. And I know that doesn't sound like something I would say, but it was like me, my, the shape of my body, but you could see through where the skin would be and there was just all this activity happening in metaphoric language inside simultaneously. Like there was plants growing really fast. There was lights and colors moving. There was these little dots like stars that were shooting across my nervous system. And there was so much energy and so much activity happening at the same time in me. I felt like what God was showing me was that he is reconstructing me. All this time, I was thinking that I was reconstructing my belief system, my faith, my theology. But a lot of times, God does a deeper work than we know to ask for. And I was so focused on reconstructing my theology, but he's been focused on reconstructing my entire being, my body and my soul and my spirit and my mind. 
And that's really important because I actually need healing. I need a lot more healing from God. And I'm really glad that he confirmed that I'm on this journey. And I know I'm not the only one. So that's why I'm sharing with you guys. So I hope you enjoyed that little random explanation of my vision. Of course, visions are very hard to explain, but I can see it in my mind's eye, even as I recall it and talk about it. It was definitely a moment where I saw an image or a metaphor or a picture of what God is doing in me. I'm really, really grateful. So the first verse that I want to talk about on today's devotional is Isaiah 30, verse 15. And it says, Thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In returning to rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. So there's rest, there's quietness, and there's trust. Okay, so let me read this one more time. This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. And then he says, but you would have none of it. So he tells the Israelites through the prophet Isaiah, but you wouldn't do it. So it shows us that we have this personal free will choice to make. Do I want to enter into his rest? Do I want to step into repentance? Do I want to slow my mind? Do I want to enter into the quiet space with the Holy Spirit to find my strength, to find my healing, to find my salvation in God? Or do I want to have none of it? Because it's actually really tempting to avoid this vulnerable space, this intimate time with God. If you follow my podcast, I have an interview that I just posted with my friend Alice who went through the healing inner healing process. She went through an inner healing journey. And we talk a lot about rest at the beginning of the interview because there is a big difference between people who choose to incorporate quiet time with God. And I know that's like a joke nowadays. The phrase quiet time has been so mimicked and mocked because, of course, we get taught that as Christian kids. And it's kind of overly fundamentalist if it's crammed down our throats, right? And we think we have to check a box and spend time with God or else we're a bad person. Like, I get why it gets kind of mocked, but there is a real concept of the the secret place with God, the, the space where no one's listening or watching and we're praying to our Father. Jesus demonstrated this by his life and his ministry. He spent time alone with the Father, and that was his source of his strength. And here in Isaiah, we hear this call to enter into a quiet, restful state. I think that this modern world, and maybe a little bit the enemy, really works against that, really tries to keep us from that. And indeed, our own selves can tend to avoid that. It seems scary, and we don't know if it's safe until we really, really have proved and learned that God is a trustworthy best friend, a trustworthy counselor who we can open up to. Now, some people pray every day. Some people read the Bible every day and never enter into this space. This is about opening our hearts for his examination, opening our hearts up to be examined by the perfect, wonderful counselor. We can go to plenty of great earthly therapists, and I recommend it, but God has this way of peeling the layers of the onion in the right order. God has this way of knowing you completely, knowing what you need to hear, showing you what you need to see inside of you that no human can do. There's no replacement for time with God if you're trying to heal. So 
I was asking God earlier this year, what are my next steps in my healing? I feel like I am someone who's healed from a lot, but I'm someone who needs a lot more healing. And there's so many um, options that get presented to you. So many different doctors and modalities and types of therapy. And you could spend a lot of money and you could spend a lot of time when you have chronic illness and you're trying to get better. So I just asked, what's my next step? You know, what's your opinion, God? (laughs) And it was interesting because he started bringing up the topic of this particular therapy called IFS. I'm not recommending this to anybody. I just feel like he recommended it to me. And I know each of our stories are specific. He's going to tell you something different than God told me. But I asked for confirmation because IFS was invented by a person who I don't even think knows God necessarily. So I didn't know if I wanted to dive into that particular type of therapy, but friends kept bringing it up. And then all these podcasts kept bringing it up. And IFS is parts therapy, right? So that just means you you know, you have an inner child, you have these different parts and um, it's working with that. So I asked God, okay, I need your confirmation. I feel like you're telling me to look into IFS. However, I'm nervous about it. So is it even true that we have these parts? Is this how we're made? Is this how we're constructed? And well, then I open up you version and the verse of the day is we are one body with many parts. And when one part suffers, the whole body suffers. And I started thinking, well, maybe it is true. Maybe we are made up of a bunch of parts, not only fingers and toes, but in our psyche. So I figure if the body of Christ has all these parts that have to learn and get along and understand each other and have compassion with each other, and some are younger and some are older, so to speak, Maybe this whole parts therapy thing is true. Maybe there's something to it. So I asked, please give me one more confirmation. And then I got in my car and I got stuck in traffic behind a truck that said IFS. So at that point, I was like, okay, I think God is telling me to do IFS. So I've had two sessions. I'm going to have another session. I just cry. I just start crying immediately and cry through the whole thing. I don't even know why, really. It's just, I don't know. I guess I'm learning to have compassion on myself and and empathy for myself. It's easier with other people, but for myself, I guess it's been hard. And I'm learning it's okay to cry. And I'm learning that I can admit and acknowledge that I've been through a lot. Like having chronic illness isn't easy and you have to push through a lot and it's hard. And, um, I guess one thing IFS is doing is giving me space and time to admit that that sucks. (laughs) I don't like to sit in that too much, but I think that's part of my healing. So let's read another scripture. This was really beautiful to me. I've been reading the New Testament in the message paraphrase, and this is the beginning of 1 Peter. It says, what a God we have. And how fortunate we are to have him, this father of our master, Jesus. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life. And we have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. And the future starts now. God is keeping careful watch over us in the future. The day is coming when you'll have it all, life healed and whole. Let me say that part again. The day is coming when you'll have it all, life healed and whole. 
I know how great this makes you feel, even though you have to put up with every kind of aggravation in the meantime. Pure gold put in the fire comes out of it proved pure. Genuine faith put through suffering comes out proved genuine. And when Jesus wraps all this up, it's your faith, not gold, that God will have on display as evidence of his victory. You never saw him, yet you love him. You still don't see him, yet you trust him with laughter and singing. Because you kept on believing, you'll get what you're looking forward to. Total salvation. Total salvation. He's not uh, just interested in saving our souls (laughs) or part of us. He's interested in a holistic deliverance, a holistic salvation. He's interested in the whole of who we are, every part of our being. Finally, I believe he's speaking to me about healing from trauma, specifically in the brain. I've learned a lot and I have way more to learn because trauma is complicated and the brain is complicated. And maybe none of us know exactly how it works, but I just learned, you know, the basics about trauma this year, which is that we have a limbic system, which is like close to the brain stem. And the limbic system is like our gut instincts, our emotions, our memories. It's certainly not our cognitive, like rational mind. That's more the prefrontal cortex up here, right? The limbic system's like the animal instincts. And the limbic system has this part of it called the hippocampus and another part of it called the amygdala. The hippocampus is in charge of like memory, remembering. And then the amygdala is in charge of things like fear. So what happens when you're under a lot of stress, when you go through something gnarly or you live in a house that's gnarly or whatever it is, or you have an anxiety disorder that makes you think stressful things all the time, your amygdala becomes overactive. Your fear center becomes overactive. It can even grow. And your hippocampus can even um, get inflamed. It can shrink. It can have memory issues. And things can get stuck in the hippocampus, like not processed out of it. Really, what's supposed to happen is you're supposed to go to sleep. You're supposed to enter REM sleep. And your hippocampus is supposed to timestamp things as that's in the past and that's over and that's done. So what can happen with trauma is it can get stuck. The hippocampus can get events, memories, feelings stuck in it. And then they just replay in our lives over and over again. And we feel like we're back in that moment. That's kind of what PTSD is, right? And um, the amygdala just freaks out every time because it can't tell the difference whether something's in the past or in the present. So things like talk therapy wouldn't necessarily fix that, would it? Because we have to get to the hippocampus and allow it to process in a way that it can finally time stamp the trauma, the event, the loss, the heartache, the fear, the, the fearful, scary moment as past, as over, as done. So we can feel and believe on a subconscious level that we're safe again, that we're okay. There's certain therapies that are more effective than talk therapy for that, like EMDR or polyvagal or brain mapping. There's things you can do with a professional to process trauma. So do that (laughs) if you have PTSD or complex PTSD. But I think part of my healing is resting in God. And it's so hard because I'm not a real rest type person, but but I have to, I got to do it. And I have been doing it. It's 
obviously I'm running my own business right now and I have a lot of doctor's appointments. So it's not happening as often as I would desire, but making time to rest, making time to just read and pray, making time to just worship when no one's around, um, making time to praise and celebrate and show gratitude and practice gratitude and making time to um, tell my body that I'm safe now, tell my mind that I'm safe now, that I'm healed, that I'm free, right? I don't see myself as someone who has an anxiety disorder anymore, just maybe a tendency, but I think my brain still partially thinks that I'm in danger, like a lot of the time more than I actually am. So I think I'm supposed to like do this trauma work, like trauma healing. And I think part of it is entering into that deep secret, sacred space with God and letting him heal me, letting him show me what he's doing inside of me, like that vision. Yes, I should keep going to that other therapy too, but man, there's no healer like God. There's no healer like God. And he's our father. He's eager to heal us. He loves to heal us. He doesn't only care about your spiritual state, your eternal destiny. He cares about your everyday thriving. And I'm excited to step more into his will than ever before. I'm excited to trust him more. And I'm excited to see how he heals my brain and and changes it to the point where if I were to get a scan, which I probably won't, it would look physically different. Because what he does in the spirit has physical manifestations and implications, doesn't it? Here's some books I would recommend. Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. That's a good one if you haven't read it. A Church Called Tove. It's just one that I read that was really good this year. The Bondage Breaker, Neil Anderson. It's like a famous book about inner healing and deliverance. Um, if you haven't checked it out, I highly recommend it. He has other books too. If you feel like you're going through a season of spiritual warfare of any kind, there's a book called Handbook for Spiritual Warfare. It's not for the faint of heart. It's like 400 pages and it has some possibly scary stories in it, but mostly it's the teaching. It's like he's he's showing you, the guy's name is Edward Murphy. He's like showing you why you have authority and why we can trust that we've already won and how we can appropriate the truth of who we are in Christ and of what he has gained in the victory on the cross and in the resurrection and apply it to our everyday lives. There's many, many more books about inner healing that I've read. Um, Maybe I'll post a list at some point, but I'm excited. I'm happy that I'm on this journey. I've seen a lot of good fruit already. And I know many of you that are my friends here on Facebook or that are listening to this podcast audio later are in a, a serious healing season too. And you really need God to come through. And you really need his power and the work of his love to restore you and to rescue you. And I just want you to know, I know how that feels. And I'm excited to keep trusting our great God with you. Hey, it's me again. I wanted to thank you for listening. And I wanted to share a song with you guys and a little bit of a voice memo that I left. I'm on this group chat with Alice and our other friend, Sarah. And I had a realization as I was reading scripture very recently, and I wanted to share it with you all in the form of sending y'all that same voice message. (laughs) So it's about 1 John 4, and then the song that I'd like to share is an original that my worship band, Finley, wrote and recorded with a guest artist, my friend Whitney Wood. Go follow her. She's awesome. And the song is called Lost Coin, and it talks about how we are 
each of us is the lost coin that God tears his room apart to find. And each of us is that sheep on the hillside that the shepherd risks his own life to rescue. That everything about those parables, those metaphors that Jesus taught when he was on the earth is about the Father's heart of unconditional and incredible love for each of us. So I hope you enjoy it. Hey, Sarah and Alice. Um, just sharing some random like revelations that I think God is reiterating to me. So this is me externally processing and geeking out. Feel free to skip this if you don't have time to listen. But I was struck on Sunday. I was at Mariners and the video message was like the pastor talking about Philippians. He's starting... Um, series and then in the beginning of philippians paul tells the people the church in philippi like i pray that your love abounds more and more in knowledge and depth of insight and it struck me because it's interesting to me that we have to learn how to love in order to deepen our love it's weird because love is this heart process and heart posture and this experience of intimacy with God that overflows to others. So I didn't think of it as involving my cerebral mind, you know? But here Paul is saying, you have to like learn how to love better and more excellently. So, and then the rest of the verse is like, so that you can reach excellence and so that you can stay pure until the day of the Lord, until the day Jesus returns. So there's this element of love that has to remain on course, like remain pure, remain engaged, you know? And I thought about all the things that he's been teaching me about inner healing, like recovering from trauma and accepting ourselves and removing fear and getting out of fight or flight, you know, living in his peace. All this stuff I'm having to learn. And it's cool because it's like, oh, he's teaching me all this because the depth of insight, when I digest this stuff, when I implement it, when I practice it, it's going to help me love better, like more excellent love. Like the practice of love is going to be, is going to abound more and more because I have this depth of insight. So it's cool because then I was like, okay, Lord, you know, in my journal, I was like, teach me more about love, like help me love. I don't do that well yet, you know, <laughs> towards myself or others. Like I'm very not naturally good at this, you know, like you have to teach me your more excellent way. And then today my reading was first John four, which is of course all about how love, there's no room for fear when you love completely and you love God's way. And when you have this intimate connection with the father who God is love. So it's like, he's, literally within 24 hours answering my prayer to increase my knowledge and my depth of insight because he lays it out like how it works you know in scripture like this is how the love of god works and operates in you you don't have to guess and strive it's like i will teach you i'll show you i'm gonna give you this love map and everything i've been showing you is a part of it like all this somatic tracking and stretching and self-care trauma recovery and peace and breathing and getting into healthier community and having boundaries and having a sabbath you didn't know all this was the practice of love increasing your knowledge and depth of insight about love but it is and i'm just like oh my gosh i did not make that connection until this week and i'm so excited that this isn't just about healing so that i can think clearly and you know walk unencumbered 
for my own sake, which would have been cool even in itself. This is about being able to like operate in the love of the father as I move through the world. And that's really exciting to me. Sorry, I'm getting emotional because I'm just like, oh my gosh, he's going to teach me how to love like he does. And that's going to be the point of my life. And I'm really, really looking forward to it. So anyway, I thought you guys might think that's cool. Let me know your thoughts. If you think I'm on the right track with that and any additional insights that the Lord may drop into your hearts. Okay, love you guys. Bye. You plan for me